listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. There are things that go bump in the night, and we are the ones who bump back. Somewhere in the cosmos, perhaps, intelligent life may be watching these lights of ours, aware of what they mean. Or do our lights wander a lifeless cosmos? I couldn't help but one point in my discussions with General Secretary Gorbachev. I couldn't help but say to him, just think how easy his task and mine might be in these meetings that we held. If suddenly there was a threat to this world, from another planet outside in the universe. Well, I don't suppose we can wait for some alien race to come down and threaten us, but I think that between us, we can bring about that realization. All right, good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 12 of Cryptique. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends about Cryptique. Joining me on my journey through the cosmos, as always, is Ryan. What's going on, Ryan? Oh, just excited to be here and talk and make my voice a little bit worse. I'm starting to accept this as the new normal. I think this is how I'm just going to sound now. But how are you? I'm good. Uh, Ryan, so for listeners uh ryan has asked if he can do the show in sign language tonight and i told him that <laughs> we don't have a video feed out yet but yeah. what are we talking about tonight we are talking about aokigahara or the blue tree meadow also known as the sea of trees it is a forest in the northwestern flank of Mount Fuji on the island of Honshu in Japan, thriving on 12 square miles of hardened lava laid down by the last major eruption of Mount Fuji in 864 CE. The western edge of Aokigahara, where there are several caves that fill with ice in winter, is a popular destination for tourists and school trips. Parts of this forest are very dense, and the porous lava rocks absorb sound, contributing to a sense of solitude that some visitors attribute to the forest. The forest has a historical reputation as home to Yurei, ghosts of the dead in Japanese mythology. At least since the 1960s, Akigahara has become associated with suicide, eventually becoming known in English by the nickname the Suicide Forest and gaining a reputation as one of the world's most used suicide sites. Because of this, signs at the head of the trails urge suicidal visitors to think of their families and contact a suicide prevention association. So let's talk about the geography, because it's a very, and I suggest that you go and look at some photos of the forest, because it, it's beautiful, first of all. But second of all, it is kind of creepy and claustrophobic. The forest floor mostly consists of volcanic rock. Designated trails lead to several tourist attractions, such as the Nurasawa Ice Cave, Fugaku Wind Cave, <laughs> we'll just call it the Wind Cave, and Lake Saibat Cave, which are three larger lava caves near Mount Fuji, the ice cave being frozen year-round. So, we call it the Suicide Forest, and there are many, many, many suicides that take place there, 
but there's also a lot of other activity that takes place there that you would expect in a normal forest, right? Mm. The Japan Ground Self-Defense Force has conducted its ranger courses, including navigation training in the forest, since 1956. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the animals and stuff that are there. So, you have the Asian black bear, which I'm not a big fan of black bears. They're cool and all, but they do try to eat you. So, there's yeah. that. Uh, the small Japanese mole, bats, mice, deer, fox, boar, which are also horrific, wild yeah. rabbit, Japanese mink, and Japanese squirrel. Uh, your favorite bird, the great <laughs> tit, is also found there, along with several other kinds of tits. The willow yes. tit, the long-tailed tit, and the great spotted woodpecker. There's ground beetles and other insects, including many species of butterflies. No word on if there are murder hornets in the suicide forest, but you would have to think there probably are. The forest has a variety of conifers and broadleaf trees and shrubs, and deeper in the forest, there are many herbaceous, flowery plants. But let's talk about the suicides. In 2003, 105 bodies were found in the forest, exceeding the previous record of 78 in 2002. In 2010, the police recorded more than 200 people having attempted suicide in the forest, of whom 54 completed the act. Suicides are said to increase in March, the end of the fiscal year in Japan. As of 2011, the most common means of suicide in the forest were hanging or drug overdose. In recent years, officials have stopped publicizing the numbers in an attempt to decrease Okigahara's association with suicide. The rate of suicide has led officials to place a sign at the forest entry urging suicidal visitors to seek help and not take their own lives, as we mentioned earlier. Annual body searches have been conducted by police, volunteers, and journalists since 1970. The site's popularity has been attributed to Seiko Matsumoto's 1961 novel Nami no To or Tower of Waves. However, the history of suicide in Aokigahara predates the novel's publication, and the place has long been associated with death. Ubasute may have been practiced there into the 19th century, and the forest is reputedly haunted by yurei of those left to die. So, some quick facts. Okigahara is one of the world's best-known destinations for suicide, and as we spoke about earlier, there seems to be about 100 people a year that take their lives there. So here in the West and associated with Christianity for sure, and possibly with the Jewish faith and Islam, suicide is highly stigmatized, discouraged. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's seen as a sin, an awful thing. And yeah, moral failing. And, and by some, a condemnation to hell. But Japan obviously has different beliefs that, you know, there's Christians in Japan, of course, but there's also many other religions which kind of prevail in popularity. Uh, Japan has a tradition of ritual suicide. Self-inflicted death doesn't carry the same stigma in Japan as it does in other countries. The practice of seppuku, a samurai's honorable suicide, dates back to Japan's feudal era. Seppuku is hardcore. You yeah. guys may have seen this. Most people in the West 
seem to go with hanging, uh, overdoses, whether intentional or not, uh, self-inflicted gunshot wounds. But seppuku is literally disemboweling yourself with a short samurai sword. And it is considered an honorable way to go if you have dishonored your family or yourself, perhaps by... Uh, running from a battle or you know something along those lines but they basically take a short samurai sword probably about a foot long blade jab it into their stomach and drag it across their intestines as it's plunged into their body cavity so it's not something that is an easy way out if you will. It's a lot different than like cutting your wrists and, you know, bleeding to death in the bathtub or something. Right. That's the whole point of it even is to not be an easy way out. It's not like I'm doing this to escape from something. It's like, I'm not afraid to die. This is just what has to be done. Right. And that's not afraid of like, yeah, it's like, this is worse than what you're going to do to me. And, and it's, um, I, I think, it is seen as a way to gain your honor back. Like, I did this bad thing, I'm going to eliminate myself from the world in, a, in an extremely painful manner, and therefore I'm going to kind of gain some of my honor back. Mm-hmm. Japan has a high suicide rate. The global financial crisis of 2008 and ensuing economic instability seem to spur a 15% increase in suicides in Japan. And when we say 15%, we're talking about a large number. It's not like 100 people killed themselves up from 85 last year. We're talking about throughout the entire country. It's not just the suicides in the suicide forest. But the incidents peaked in March 2009, the end of Japan's fiscal year. So a lot of people, I, I think, in Japan kind of associate their honor and their self-worth yeah 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 that's a good one their honor and self-worth go along with being able to provide for your family and you know make that money unfortunately in 2011 the executive director of a suicide prevention hotline told japan times quote Callers most frequently cite mental health and family problems as the reason for contemplating suicide, but behind that are other issues such as financial problems or losing their job. The Japanese government enacted suicide prevention strategies in Akigihara. The plans aim to reduce Japan's suicide rates by 20% over seven years. Part of these measures included posting security cameras at the entrance and increasing patrols in the suicide forest. Suicide prevention counselors and police have also posted signs on various paths throughout the forest that offer messages like, think carefully about your children, your family, and your life is a precious gift from your parents, or from God. Akigihara is naturally a bit spooky. The forest trees organically twist and turn, their roots winding across the forest floor in treacherous threads. And that is probably because a lot of the forest floor is volcanic rock. So they're looking for, the roots are looking for a place to twist in and get to some nutrients underneath. That's my thought anyway. Yeah. 
Because of its location at the base of a mountain, the ground is uneven, rocky, and perforated with hundreds of caves. But more jarring than its tricky terrain is the feeling of stillness. The trees are too tightly packed for winds to whip through and the wildlife is sparse. In Japan, most people take their lives by hanging. The second most common method is jumping from a high place, according to a 2004 study. The government has increased the height of bridge railings and other steps in Okigihara to curb suicide attempts. So I guess if you walk to a bridge that has a 100-foot drop, if you have a 5-foot fence instead of a 4-foot fence, you're going to stop people from climbing it to kill themselves? I don't know. but I don't know. I don't know if it's like a... Mm-mm an opportunity kind of thing that people do that they're just like oh well look at that a big drop maybe i'll just hop over right but if it's a taller thing then they're i don't know maybe the idea is that it'll take them a couple seconds longer give them a little bit more time to think like do i really want to do this i mean i, I guess it, it seems silly to me and it seems kind of like wasteful government spending hmm. but i don't know i, I guess it's better than doing nothing yeah. But it seems like there's better ways, you know, to attack the problem kind of in its infancy instead of waiting and trying to prevent someone from committing suicide. It would be better to attack the uh, feelings in the country of, right. oh, I lost my job, I should commit suicide. Or, you know, my my daughter had sex out of wedlock. It's dishonorable now i have to die but hey i I guess higher fences is a place to start but yeah that's exactly what i was thinking about though like a lot of the stuff that we've done in the u.s over the last you know couple years like some of it's a little over the top but a lot of it is to promote like normalizing what would be considered alternative lifestyles Mm mm-hmm you know, homosexuality, bisexuality, like all the LGBTQ, whatever, the whole alphabet thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there are all these terms and, you know, they're not even exactly choices. They used to be a thing to say, like, hey, we can each choose how we want to live. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just we're a lot more accepting of people now. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't make jokes about it anymore, or, or at least decent people don't. So it seems like if we can do that here... And we've got a long way to go. But if we can start doing that here, then yeah, in Japan, they could probably have something similar where maybe they release some TV shows that have messaging about like, hey, it's not the end of the world. You lost your job. Like, you know, I mean, it's a very American thing to say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Uh Like, you know, it's you, you fall to learn to get back up, that kind of thing. I mean, that kind of messaging might go a long way towards stopping people from doing that i've also watched like documentaries before about people in japan who essentially just totally withdraw from society when they're unemployed Mm -hmm. they're like they like you know they'll find some little hole to hide in you know like a family member's house or something like that but they just like move away secretly they just withdraw from everybody they used to know rather than kill themselves they just live you know like Harry Potter in like a little <laughs> alcove under the stairs, just like, leave me here. You know, I'm just, I, I can't contribute anything. And it's really sad. Yeah. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth when you said, get back up again. Yeah. I mean, 
wouldn't it be better to teach people that you are going to fall down because everybody does and getting back up is the way to go? I mean, it leaves so many more options open than, hey, my life is kind of in a bad spot. I'm just going to kill myself. Right. Best-selling books popularized Akigahara as a suicide destination. Mystery author Seiko Matsumoto's popular novel Tower of Waves. It featured a protagonist who dies in the forest. Wataru Surumi's controversial 1993 work, The Complete Manual of Suicide, called Okigahara, quote, the perfect place to die. The manual has been found among the possessions left behind by many visitors to the forest. We'll talk about Ubisute or abandoning the old woman after the break. Do you love true crime? Can't get enough? You need to check out Exploring Evil, the true crime podcast that covers lesser-known and international serial killers, bizarre murders, and murders with a paranormal twist. Did you know there was a serial killer who only killed murderers and pedophiles? The real-life Dexter is covered in a recent episode of Exploring Evil. You can find Exploring Evil on your favorite podcast platform. Hey, my name is Ryan. And I'm pretty sure I'm Joe. And we are the hosts of Movie Hell, a podcast all about movies and pop culture. We're two buddies who talk about this stuff anyway and wanted to share our own madness with all of you. Yeah, we have these discussions anyway and rant and rave about movies, TV, and pop culture in general, so why not share it? The objective of Movie Hell is to bring you reviews and discussions of flops to avoid, new stuff to see, and hidden gems that might end up being your new favorite. Whether you're looking for that perfect movie for Friday night or wondering if anybody else found Mr. Nobody as unsettling as you did, I'm sure there's something for everyone to enjoy. And if not, let us know and we can always learn and improve. Ah, boy, do we have room to improve. You can listen to Movie How on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and pretty much anywhere else fine podcasts are curated. Welcome back to Cryptique. The suicide forest mythos may be connected to Ubisute. Ubisute is a form of euthanasia that translates roughly to abandoning the old woman. In this practice, allegedly resorted to in times of famine, a family decreases the number of mouths to feed by leading an elderly relative to a mountain or similarly remote environment to die from dehydration, starvation, or exposure. Many argue that Ubisute was never a real tradition, but a product of folklore potentially connected to the suicide forest. And this is kind of like the idea of, like, uh, Inuits. Uh That an older member of an Inuit community who can no longer contribute would go out onto an ice drift and just push themselves off into the ocean just to Mm -hmm. no longer be a burden. Who knows if that's true, but if it exists in multiple cultures, this this legend, then it probably has happened at some point. And today, 
things are a lot different. We have jobs, we get paid, we get food, you know, it, it wasn't always that way. You know, there were tribes, villages, what have you, that literally survived off what they had day to day to day. Right. And now we don't, we don't share the same burden of having to actually hunt or gather or things like that, uh, where some older person maybe would become, uh, expendable and i hate to use that term because nobody's expendable but that's kind of how this myth legend or actual tradition has kind of been marketed i guess so the forest might actually be haunted some believe the ghosts of those abandoned by ubisute and the mournful spirits of those who took their own lives and linger in the woods Folklore claims that they are vengeful, dedicated to tormenting visitors and luring those who are sad and lost off the path. Would you go there? Um, I don't think I would like go there just for that. Okay. I think if I if I was in Japan and somebody was like, "Hey, would you like to see this place?" I might go, mm-hmm. but I don't think I would make a trip out there specifically for that. I would love to visit Japan as long as I never had to see a city. I, I do what? not want to fly into Tokyo or something like that. I, I Cities, for me, I really don't give a shit about. I mean, I have no desire to visit New York City or go back to Los Angeles or anything like that. I prefer nature, and I would love to visit the forest for its beauty and hey, maybe there are ghosts. I mean, hmm. if you believe in ghosts, where's a better place than the suicide forest, right? Yeah. See, for me, I'm a little bit the opposite. I think probably because I spent so much time when I was younger in, like, very rural areas mm-hmm. that it's when I go to, like... Like, I went to Chicago during Lollapalooza a couple mm-hmm. years ago. And it's like my fiancé was very just freaked out and most of our friends and relatives that were with us for this trip because there were a bunch of us there like mm-hmm. just we weren't there for that we just happened to be in town at the same time and it was like i felt like oh man i can finally like breathe you know i feel the same mm-hmm. like relaxed feeling being in the middle of a crowded city that most people would feel like being out in nature interesting i just like being around people i like you know seeing what crazy stuff they're up to i mean it's not that wasn't great like, there are a lot of, like, really weird people out. Yeah. And, like, you can't go into, like, a CBS or something without there being vomit on the floor or whatever during this during that time. But, Great. like, yeah, I find it relaxing to be in a city. And I do wonder, I really like being in enclosed spaces, which is weird because I'm kind of claustrophobic. <laughs> like, I like sleeping in, like, a very enclosed space. Yeah, we talked about you and your coffin. Yeah, if I could basically sleep in a coffin with like air conditioning, like some kind of airflow, I'd be (sighs) that'd be great. And that's what a lot of like these Japanese hotel rooms that you see on TV are like. They're like little like morgue trays that you just lay on and like pull yourself into your little room. It's like that might be great for me. I might really like that. Yeah, you should try it. Yeah, each their own. Totally. Annual searches for the deceased have been held in Aokigahara since 1970. Volunteers patrol the area and recover the remains of the deceased. Police and volunteers trek through the sea of trees and bring bodies out of the forest for a proper burial. 
The Japanese government has declined to publicize the numbers of the bodies recovered from searches in recent years. Bringing a tent into Aokigahar will draw attention. Camping is allowed in the area, but police consider visitors who bring tents to be potentially contemplating suicide. People on prevention patrol will gently speak with campers and encourage them to leave the forest. So that actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes more sense than like uh, just a making the fence. fence a little bit taller. Yeah, True. like hey, if they're here and staying for a while, maybe they're thinking about something and considering something, <laughs> coming to terms with something. Seems so, a lot more effective. Yeah, yeah. Like have somebody go talk to them. The suicide forest is so dense with trees that some visitors mark their way out with tape. So that's and an I interesting want, fact. Yeah, I wanted to comment on that real quick. Uh, I go hiking. And I even, when I come to a fork in the trail, I will put up the orange tape. Uh, they call it trailblazing, and people used to do it by, you know, hacking a, a blaze oh, yeah. basically into the tree so they could see their, their way back out. But if I know I'm coming back that way and I need to know which way to go, I'm going to hang the orange tape. Now, on my way out, I get it. I don't just, you know leave tape hanging up on trees in the woods but uh, it would seem that you wouldn't like if you're really serious about it you wouldn't need that orange tape so if you follow orange tape then maybe you're getting to people who are thinking i'm probably want to commit suicide just in case i want to know my way out in case i change my mind so you follow that tape Maybe you find somebody who is contemplating suicide. But right. in any case, if you're going to be out in the woods, it is so easy to get turned around and get lost. And you can buy this tape at Walmart for like $1.99 for a huge roll, and it could save your life. Yeah. Whether you you know want to commit suicide or you just don't want to get lost in the forest and attacked by Bigfoot. <laughs> All right. In now Kigahara... You may not be able to call for help. The forest soil is rich in magnetic iron, which disrupts cell phone service, GPS systems, and even compasses. If you get lost, you may not be able to report your emergency, hence the comparatively low-tech plastic tape. Not everyone who goes to the suicide forest has death on their mind. Local residents lament the lethal reputation the peaceful forest has acquired. Many tourists visit simply to take in gorgeous views of Mount Fuji and visit highlights of the natural landscape, like the distinctive lava plateau, 300-year-old trees, and the enchanting Narasawa Ice Cave. Nice. Well done. Thank you. (laughs) So, I guess the listener is kind of left up to decide if it's haunted or not. Uh, There's been movies based on it, um... I think there's one that's actually just called The Forest that's pretty decent. Um, And it chronicles a a woman whose twin sister, she believes, has gone into the forest to commit suicide. And it's her journey to try and track her down and how hard it is to actually get, like, guides to take you in to look around. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much of that is based on fact, but it's interesting. But it, it... the forest is absolutely gorgeous and i would hope that seeing this natural beauty might dissuade people 
from ending it all after seeing, you know, the the gifts that nature has given us. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem to work that way. I don't know. What are your final thoughts? I think there might be something to it. I mean, I don't know that it was haunted or that there was anything particularly nefarious about it before. Mm-hmm. But I do believe in, like, getting back... Well, getting things back from the intentions you put out. Mm-hmm. So if people go in with a negative intention like this to take their own lives, and it's been happening for so long, and Japan has this history. I remember one of the strangest things I learned, I think it was Japan, that really wealthy people mm-hmm. would commit suicide by ingesting a lot of salt. Huh. And it was because salt was super expensive. Oh. It'd be like the equivalent of Scrooge McDuck wasn't bath killing salts. himself by no. <laughs> It'd be like the equivalent of Scrooge McDuck killing himself by dropping like a you know a ton of gold onto himself or something. Like mm-hmm. it's a flex, and it's it's. I know that I'm making light of it, but it's a culture like we were talking about that has somewhat different values than most Western countries, and mm-hmm. this this sort of ritual suicide is seen as an honorable way out, you know, an acceptable way out, a way that will, you know, over here, it would not, it would not restore family honor. It would not be a good thing for your family or for your reputation or something like that. But in Japan, it hasn't always been that way. I think it's probably getting more that way. If they're putting up these signs, like think of your family, think of your kids. But when you have so much negative intention and so much negative emotion in one place, you know, I I think I probably said this before on the show that I I didn't really think too much about ghosts mm-hmm. until I started house shopping like eight mm-hmm. years ago, nine years ago. And I was looking at these houses that were 150 years old or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in this area, like particularly in Alton, which is where some of these houses were, like mm-hmm. it, Alton has a huge reputation for being haunted because a lot of the buildings in that area have... Um, stones taken from a Civil War era, like prison. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of, like back in the day, they would just tear something down and reuse the stones other places. Right. So a lot of people attribute those hauntings to that. So I just kind of felt like, oh, I'll start listening to some paranormal podcasts like uh, Lex Walls, Anything Ghost, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll just try to figure out what it is that people are really experiencing so I know what to expect if I buy an older house. And I came out of it just convinced, like, okay, there's actually a ghost or something. I tend to be really skeptical when somebody starts their story by, like, well, first I should let you know that I'm a psychic and I'm this or I'm that. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of people who seem, like, totally average mm-hmm. in terms of not having experiences with that, not having any kind of, like, self-reported abilities not having any prior interest in it, who, you know, when they experience something, and it lo- so many of the experiences line up with each other, it just convinces you that something has to really be going on. Mm-hmm. And that you really do leave something behind. Absolutely. So, so many people doing this in the same place, it has to be leaving something behind. Negative energy. Right. I mean, everybody here has walked into a room and been like, Oh, shit. I wish I didn't walk in here. I wish I could just back out slowly and head for the hills. Because you know that 
there's a lot of conflict going on between people in the room. Right. Uh, you or, or you know you walk in and somebody in the family has committed suicide and everybody you don't know that yet but you walk in and and you see everybody and you feel that heaviness and it's real so for sure did i ever tell you that i can see auras no i never told you that so it's it's not difficult it's really not all you have to be able to do do you remember the old posters that used to be at like Sam Goody and stuff where it's like yeah the magic uh, eye posters yeah it's it's really similar all you have to do what i do anyway take my glasses off and soft focus on somebody's head across the room not i never tell anybody you know like hey i'm going to try and read your aura or whatever but <laughs> I'll just look at them from across the room and hope they don't look over at me and see me staring at them. But I can see a white life force that surrounds you. And the aura is something outside the life force. Now, not everybody has an aura all the time, but most do. And I rarely, rarely, rarely actually try and focus on somebody and say like if somebody's having a bad day or being a bitch or whatever i might be like hmm let me see if what's going on here but you know it it is it's possible i believe it's possible for everybody i I believe that we have so many gifts that we'll never know about because we just don't believe it's possible but give it a shot yeah it's interesting i mean there are a lot of things that people can do that maybe they don't think about. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just recently, well, recently within the last couple months, you know, heard somebody talking about like, you know, you want to do like when when it's like shooting or doing really delicate tasks, it's like you want to do this like in between heartbeats mm-hmm. or something like that. And then one person's like, well, how do you know when your heart's beating? Mm-hmm. It's like how do you not know when your heart's beating? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. one of those things that I don't think we talk about. Mm-hmm. So it's like maybe most people don't know that like half half of people seem to be able to know, just know that and half of people don't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> a really weird example is from uh, I was listening to this interview about like some some skit that was being filmed for like a TV show. Mm-hmm. And they were telling this guy like, you know, they were like telling him to just mind like you're, you know, wiping yourself in the bathroom. And they said the way he, like, stood up and, like, wiped was very odd. So they started having a conversation and realized, like, half the people in the room wiped themselves standing up and half wiped themselves sitting down. And they're like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Like, everybody does that in private. You Like, you yeah. learn kind of to do that on your own. So everybody probably does it a little bit differently, but we never talk about it. Yeah. So this might be one of those abilities that people don't think about. Like, they've never thought about trying to do it. Yeah, I mean... Just like trying to pay attention and see if you can tell when your heart's beating. You'll never know unless you try. Right. Yeah, maybe it's just a latent ability that most people don't think about. I never thought about it. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't think I'm special. I think anybody can do it. It's just a matter of actually trying to do it. So, I don't know. Think about it. Give it a shot and let me know what you think. Yeah, not being worried about people looking at you. Being like, what's wrong with Jay? Why is he... He's got his glasses off and he's staring at me slightly cross-eyed really intently. <laughs> well, I don't I, I really 
don't care at all what people think about me. And, and I think a lot of people are just so out of touch with themselves. They're mm-hmm. focused on everything around them and not themselves that they lose abilities. They lose focus on things that are important. They don't take care of themselves. You know, people, they, they have a problem and they just want to pill for it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it just, it doesn't always work out for the best. Yeah, I was having a conversation kind of about this with somebody at my bar recently. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about like the impact of intention, basically. Mm-hmm. And she was telling me that she wasn't sure if she like really believed in like a spiritual impact on your surroundings. Mm-hmm. But I was like, well, you know, if, if there was somebody standing behind you at the doorway and they were just staring at you, you would eventually just like feel it, right? Right. She was like, yeah. And I was like, well, what is that? Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much that... Like, I imagine at some point science will have an explanation for that. Yeah. So what else will they have an explanation for? Like, that's an intent. That's an energy. And, you know, things that are considered superhuman or products of nature in general, we're all taught from an early age there's no such thing as ghosts. What you're seeing is not real. You're lying to yourself. And that just kind of carries over into other parts of your life. I mean, there are people out there that can throw a hundred mile an hour fastball that have probably never thrown a baseball. So how do you know? Yeah. I don't know. We kind of went off on a tangent. Any other final thoughts on the suicide forest? No, I think I covered it. I agree. Well, Crypt Keepers, that's all we've got for you tonight on the suicide forest. We hope you enjoyed the show and ask you to subscribe and write a review if you like the show. Don't forget to check out Movie Hell and Exploring Evil, and we'll be back soon. Good evening, Crypt Keepers.